I don't think body positivity is a movement that represents me anymore. To kind of witness in real time a movement that was meant for us be opened up to involve everybody else while at the same time minimalizing our concerns and our perspectives, mm. it was quite hurtful. Why, hello. My name is Dr. Joshua Walrich and welcome to my podcast, Willing to be Wrong. To give you a brief introduction for those of you who may have just stumbled across this and don't know me, I'm an NHS surgical doctor, author and unintended influencer, currently on a year out from the hospital to study for a nutrition master's. Now, if you're listening to this in April 2021, I can really excitedly tell you that this month is publication month. My debut book, Food Isn't Medicine, is due to be released on the 15th. And in it, I talk about the complex nature of weight and health and the principles of health at every size why the phrase food is medicine is actually harmful, and then I debunk a whole load of nutribolics, from coffee enemas supposedly curing cancer, or just the standard stuff like sugar makes you fat. I'm incredibly excited to see so many of you reading it in just a couple of weeks, but for now, I want to introduce you to my guest for this episode, Stephanie Yaboa. <music> Steph is a journalist, fat acceptance advocate and content creator, as well as the author of the book Fatly Ever After. She is passionate about fat liberation and centering plus-size people of colour in discussions around body positivity. In this episode, she teaches me about the true origins of body positivity and why she doesn't feel represented by the movement anymore. We also talk about the medicalization of body size and cover a few of the issues when it comes to conversations around BMI and COVID mortality risk. I hope you enjoy. If we can, I would love to chat about some of those topics that you talk about the most, one of which is body positivity, a, a topic that I am I am not well versed in, despite the fact that some people might think that I should be or assume that I would know what I'm talking about when it comes to body positivity. Mm -hmm. um, but I think those are also the kind of people that don't fully understand what body positivity is or where it comes from, because if they did... I'm not the person to look to as a white male um, to, to explain body positivity. That's not my it's not my area of expertise. I think it's quite an important conversation to have because I think it ties in massively to conversations around diet culture, mm -hmm. conversations around um, weight and health, conversations around medical and societal fat phobia. Uh, there, I think it it feels lacking to have those conversations and not include body positivity in that space mm -hmm. um so i wondered if that would be okay with you to start yeah. um and i don't really know how to necessarily start that as a question that's one of the flaws with me not not creating <laughs> questions but i think it's just i think perhaps my question is how do you see the conversations around body positivity online do you think that they're going in the right direction because in my opinion the stuff that i see feels lacking mm. let's to put it politely to put it very politely, lacking. Uh, I think it's going in a very, I don't want to say dangerous, but it's it's severely lacking uh, when we see the conversations that happen online at the moment because it in and of itself has opened up a whole new standard of beauty that a lot of fat people feel like they can't uh, adhere to in order to be in the movement. And I think a lot of that is because a lot of people mm. do not know uh, the history of the body positive movement, where it came from, its political origins, these kinds of things. Um, I think in today's age, people see the term body positivity and they don't associate it with the political sides of it they kind of just see it as oh it's just another self-love movement but the actual uh movement like the second i guess wave of it that kind of started uh in the mid 2000s um it definitely came from uh political roots and was intended as a safe space uh for uh, fat bodies, um, bodies of colour, disabled bodies, bodies basically that do not carry the same societal privileges as um, smaller bodies. So um, I guess with regards to the history of the body positive um, movement, uh, I, I'll try and do like an abridged version. Uh, so it kind of first... We've got loads of time. So <laughs> whatever's, whatever's important, go for it. Okay, go. Perfect. Uh, so it the first kind of wave of it started in the mid-1950s, uh, 1960s in the States. And it was created hmm. by um, 
uh, a couple of black women and a couple of Jewish women. And I believe the initials were like FAFSA or something. Um, but it was quite a small movement at the time. It was a very small community uh, in the uh, West Coast of the States. And it didn't last that long because I think there was like some weird kind of division or like fight between the members or something. So it lasted for about five or six years and then it kind of disintegrated. Uh, once we started seeing new trends come in with regards to body type. So we had like the whole Farrah Fawcett, you know, athletic body, Charlie's Angels type, you know, James mm. Bond coming out of the sea, athletic figures in the 90s. We had the whole heroin chic with um, Kate Moss. And um, as these trends started to go on, we started to see less and less of the, you know, 1940s, 1950s, curvy hourglass shaped bodies that we were used to seeing on the the silver screen and you know those kinds of Marilyn Monroe-esque figures and it kind of welcomed you know the slim athletic uh, bodies and these were the trends that we were exposed to for you know the next 20, 30, 40 years. Um, so with regards to the current movement that we have now it started I want to say 2007-2008 and it was a movement that was predominantly on platforms such as um, Facebook groups and more prominently uh, Tumblr. So Tumblr was kind of like okay. the epicenter of the whole self-love movement in a, well, the digital self-love movement uh, in a sense. So mm. um, I remember being on Tumblr actually uh, for a completely different reason. I actually started like, uh, I guess I should put like trigger warning, um, a weight loss blog, like a ca ca calorie counting blog. Um, and it was during a time in my life where I was just my mental health was just really terrible and all I wanted to do was lose weight and and I started uh joining all of these fitspo pages of people that were doing extreme dieting and all of these things and so I guess because of the algorithm of the things that I was uh watching and, and seeing regarding bodies um I started getting on my timeline um images and think pieces from fat women um, and so that was my kind of entry into the body positive movement. And so this movement was predominantly created by black femme women in the States. And it was a movement that was intended to celebrate fatter bodies, uh, larger fatter bodies. So the bodies that are not stereotypically hourglass shape or acceptable. Um, it was created for bodies that were consistently exposed to harassment and abuse and policing and all of these things. And so on mm. Tumblr, you started to see this huge community of women who started using um, the hashtags um, body positivity and uh, fat acceptance. So those were the two hashtags that we predominantly started seeing on, on those platforms. And it included everything from photos to videos to outfit options of plus-sized stores that you could uh, shop at, um, poems, different kinds of content that really celebrated um, and I guess more importantly normalised bigger bodies and not framing them as uh, inherently negative. Um, a lot mm. of the plus size influencers that we know and love today started on Tumblr as well. And so uh, when those influencers eventually moved to Instagram, um, their mm. fans moved to Instagram as well. So people like Nicolette Mason in the States, Gabby Fresh in the States, um, all of these uh, amazing creators moved over to Instagram when Instagram became the hot, you know, the hot new platform. And the movement <laughs> kind of, you know, jumped ship to to Instagram and I I definitely think it was the it was the appearance of the plus size uh fashion and plus size lifestyle influences that really pushed the message of body positivity um for a couple of years it was still something that was quite underground uh I guess because straight sized fashion and straight sized bloggers were still quite popular and with plus size influencers we were still trying to find our feet with regards to brands and you know which brands would work with you know fat women and all of these kinds of things so it was still predominantly underground but it started to pick up steam around 2014 slash 2015 
And the reason it started to pick up steam was uh, you had plus size brands like Simply Be and Lane Bryant and Evans and all of these uh, companies started noticing the hashtags on Instagram whenever they would check their uh, their hashtags. Uh, so if a plus size influencer was wearing Simply Be, for instance, they would hashtag Simply Be and then they would hashtag body positivity. And so the more uh, brands, okay. yeah, so the more brands started doing that, the more they were like, oh, this is like a new movement, like a new self-love kind of thing going on. And we saw an onslaught of campaigns featuring plus size influencers and models talking about um, how, you know, how amazing it is to be at a point where you can be confident. We, um, we started seeing more brands talk about self-love, self-confidence, all of that good stuff. Um, it was a great time to be in a community where people were starting to open their eyes and open their ears and listen to people in bigger bodies. For a couple of years, it was amazing because we started seeing a bit more visibility of bigger bodies, um, not only in the media, but uh, especially within fashion. So we started seeing brands like ASOS uh, creating ASOS Curve. We saw all of these fashion brands uh, extending their clothing sizes for bigger people, which was, you know, incredible. It was a great, great time. And then, you know, 2016, that's where it kind of started to go down because, you know, we (laughs) what we, you know, marketing is one of these things where there's always going to be an element of it that is performative and sex sells. So what we started seeing was uh, brands and modeling agencies and things started using plus size models and you know other women in their campaigns but what we noticed is that they always were using uh women who were either white or white passing light-skinned flat tummies big bums big uh boobs small waist an acceptable hourglass shape and Mm -hmm. the more we saw these campaigns the less we saw uh black women asian women you know latin ex women and and just generally larger fat women, uh, women whose body shapes do not fall within the extreme attractive hourglass shape um, uh, body. So it developed into a bit of a schism, I think. I think there was one part of the movement who were a bit more radical, who were like, look, you know, this movement was created to be a safe space for bodies that don't have privilege why is it that anytime body positivity comes in comes into the news or it's you know it's got an increased visibility these brands and these journalists and these publications always highlight um a specific body shape or a specific body type because all that's doing is causing a divide within the movement because then you've got people that are a a lot more marginalised within the movement, not feeling seen and not being visible and not having their voices heard. And so, yeah, I think from 2016 down, it's kind of just been a case where because you have people within the movement who are socially acceptable when it comes to their beauty, I think people have just assumed that it is a movement for everybody to join as opposed to a movement that was that was political and that was meant to be specifically for fat bodies only. Because if you exist in a body that is privileged, you can love yourself loudly anywhere. You can, you know, you can create an Instagram post talking about your self-love. Like you can shout it from the rooftops and nobody's going to challenge you or nobody's going to, you know, tell you that the body mm. that you exist in is wrong. But when you're when you're plus size it's a lot more difficult because you have um systemic oppression because you have people who don't feel any way to give you unsolicited comments about your body and police you and tell you that you're unhealthy that you're going to die that you're going to this that you're going to that so for us to kind of witness in real time a movement that was meant for us be you know opened up uh to involve everybody else while at the same time minimalizing our concerns and our perspectives, uh, it was quite hurtful to say the least. So I think at this point in time, I think a lot of the people who were in the movement, you know, stemming from years ago, don't really 
they wouldn't really say that it represents them. So for me, I don't think body positivity is a movement that represents me anymore because I don't see myself represented in that movement. I see fitspo influencers. I see very, you know, socially acceptably attractive influencers and people. I see um, people that might be like a size 12 to 14 who are bending over to create crunches in their stomach so that it shows that they've got rolls. You know, I see those kinds of things. So uh, for me, I, I, I think it's kind of lost the pizzazz and the, the real message it had um, that I used to have a few years ago. See, all of that, there, there's some stuff there that I knew, but there's an awful lot of that that I just, I've, I'd never heard. Mm. Um, and I don't know whether that's just because I've, I, I guess maybe I haven't looked it up, but I, there's also an element where when I've, when I've searched for some of this stuff to try and learn about the origins and the backgrounds of it, maybe it's because some of it is, is delved, is buried deep in Tumblr, <laughs> but, um, there's, it's, it seems very, it feels quite hard to, to find that kind of stuff. And I don't know whether it's a combination of being buried in Tumblr and also being overwhelmed by what the current conversation looks like, mm. um, taking up all of that space when you Google something or try and search for something. Um, but I mean, I I, uh, I always find this this kind of pushback from um, from thin white people, mainly women, saying, "Oh no, it was created by white women back in the whatever in America." And I'm <laughs> like, and I, I'm very confused whenever I see that. I'm like. Hang on, that doesn't make sense. I'm like, is it? Like, that doesn't. I'm like, yeah. they're like, oh yeah, it's these American women that were creating this like acceptance. It was like this church group. I'm like, why does it have to? Like, as a Christian, why do you have to make it make it a Christian thing? This is not I okay. Know. <laughs> I'm like, I know. Probably wasn't. <laughs> I'm like, I'm confused by this. But I'm like, I don't know how to respond to this stuff. I'm like, oh my word. Um, so yeah, that's I yeah. There's there's a lot there, um, and I wondered. I think the first thing that came to mind when you were saying some of that stuff um, is just the whole phrase promoting obesity, um, because mm. I think that that phrase and that's a very very appropriate eye roll you just gave. Mm -hmm. I agree. <laughs> um, that that phrase that phrase gets thrown from what I've seen at people. You know when you were saying um, that it, that it's very easy for people to feel. Uh, to express loving their body um, if they're in a, in a, in a size that is society, uh, you know, accepted by society. Mm -hmm. But if somebody like yourself or, or others were to make a post like that, overwhelmingly you'll have people throw the accusation of promoting obesity at mm -hmm. you. Mm -hmm. um, again, correct me if I'm wrong, but that seems to be what I see. Um, and I, I just wondered uh, if you could kind of express why ju just how that makes you feel mm. um because it's not something i i i rarely get that um as an accusation sometimes when i talk about things but not very much mm. um and and why and from your opinion why you think it's such a ridiculous accusation such a ridiculous statement mm. i mean i agree it's ridiculous I yeah. just, i'm intrigued as to as <sighs> to how you put that across why you how you explain that from your experiences it's just, I find the whole notion of promote, promoting obesity very strange because, first of all, the word obesity, I just, I hate it. It's so, it's so, it's such a harsh kind of scientific, grotesque word. I just, personally, I, I don't, I don't like it at all. And I, I do have mm. issues sometimes when some of the medical community, you know, refer to it as that, but don't refer to other ways in which people's bodies show up as their correct scientific terms but with us it's like dehumanizing in a sense you know instead of just calling us fat or big or whatever it's like you have this special scientific word um what, what do you what do you sorry i, I know I'm, I'm not meant to interrupt you but what mm. what do you mean by that so so from it because that that's that's really intriguing to me as a mm. as a medical professional yeah what other what other terms have because i agree with you the word obesity makes me uncomfortable too for yeah. many reasons one of the main ones being the fact that it's it's purely based on a BMI number. That's it. That's its definition. Um, mm. And that is frustrating to me um, for many reasons. But what do you mean by it's there are other conditions or other things that aren't where the word isn't used? Can you do you mind giving me examples of that? Yes. I'm really intrigued. So I guess I think because the only what the only time I've heard it used these days is always in a quite a negative way from trolls or mm -hmm. you know health trolls or whatever and I think so when you're if you see somebody who's like athletic or or lean or 
you know, whatever the case may be, you kind of just call them athletic or slim or average sized. I, I don't know if there's like a specific scientific based word for somebody that has abs. I don't know. But I feel okay. like I feel like obese is such a such a I don't know. It doesn't I don't feel like it describes a body type. It just seems like a really grotesque well, I don't know. Maybe it's just me. Well, I it just... doesn't. No, it do- it doesn't describe a body type. You're right. It describes a number on a BMI scale. That's all it does. Yeah. So, so you're right. I d- yeah. No, I know what. I'm not. Yeah. No, no. I'm not. I'm not trying to catch you out here. I promise. I'm just. Oh, no, I'm really fine. intrigued by that. And <laughs> I'm, I'm really intrigued by that in the sense that I. I think there are many reasons why there should be more conversation around just how harmful the word obesity full stop is. Mm. Um, and there's been a bit of a pushback against that conversation more recently on social media as well, of people going, it's just a medical term. What, what are we afraid to use medical terms, blah, blah, blah. So I'm just, I, I was just intrigued by that. Um, and I, but I think I see, I, again, correct me if I'm wrong. I think, I, I think what you're saying, I guess, is that there's the using a medical term to describe someone's body size mm. only gets used for one for one group for for yeah yeah for one kind of specific no yeah group. nobody else's body size is medicalized in that sense apart from perhaps anorexia nervosa perhaps yeah um, if, i mean even with that like correct me if i'm wrong i think anorexia is more of a mental health than a physical condition yeah the I the, the think... definitions have broadened in regards to um, the fact that you can have anorexia no matter your size, mm-hmm. um, but it's still called it's it's still called a typical anorexia um, at the moment if you're of a larger size because statistically the the things that come along with anorexia tend to mean that your body size tends to be very on very much on the low end not always yeah, yeah. Um, but but yeah there's definitely a, even a broad yeah so you're right there's even a broadness in that in that regard whereas yeah obesity is the only is the only body size and type that has such a medicalization to it. Yeah, exactly. And I think when when we talk about promoting obesity, for me, it just feels weird because people with platforms, whether they have platforms or not, but trying to encourage people to love themselves in the body that they're in, trying to encourage people who have been on the receiving end of fat phobia, harassment, abuse, violence, all of these uh, things for the you know, majority of their lives because of how they look, telling them that it is okay to be happy and to be confident and to love yourself in the body you're in should not be seen as encouraging a specific body type. Like it, it because when people say it, it almost feels like they are saying we are doing something quite insidious and quite, and quite seedy. Um, and I always say, you know, if we're going to talk about um, promoting obesity, then and this isn't to like kink shame or anything like that. But for me, when I think of promoting obesity, I think of, you know, specific fetish websites or fetish kinks that encourage people, you know, to put on weight, like feederism or, you know, Mm. you have these sites that encourage weight gain, like actively encourage weight gain because they see it as a sexual turn on. Those kinds of things, if you put it in that context, yes, it can be seen as encouraging and promoting obesity because they are actively encouraging people to get bigger. What we are doing is we're not encouraging people to get bigger. We are encouraging people to love themselves at any size. Uh, We are encouraging people to be confident at any size and to normalise body shapes so that you know, we don't feel as if we are the only ones. We don't feel isolated. Um, Hopefully we can get to a point where having a bigger body generally is normalised to the point where we're not always uh, the recipients of abuse and systemic oppression and all of these things. Um, I think because um, thinness and slimness has been the standard for so long, I don't think that it is a body type that can be, I don't really think it is promoted in a sense in terms of being thin because it's always been the ideal. It's been the standard um, and people have continuously seen it as the standard of beauty. So it almost feels like bringing in another body type to differentiate from the norm there's an element of people feeling threatened by that Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. again slimness has been the ideal for so long and the thought of another body type that they see as grotesque coming in and feeling confident and feeling good about themselves it almost feels like it it kind of threatens their their self-esteem or 
threatens their sense of self because suddenly it's like, oh, well, you know, I'm not the only one who is, you know, being seen as attractive or has this, this and this because of how I look. There's this whole other body type that I think is really gross. And so therefore, I'm going to say that you are promoting something very unhealthy and very unclean and, you know, all of that kind of stuff. So for me, I don't I don't like that term at all or that phrase. No, I, I agree. Part of me feels like it's it to me it feels like a combination of many things. It feels like a combination of complete laziness, which I'll I'll explain. Um <laughs> it feels like it feels like complete fat phobia. Um and 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 I think that relates to the fear you were talking about as well. Mm-hmm. Um and it just it feels like this weird, like it feels like another expression of the personal responsibility rhetoric that we have in society when it comes to people's weight, where the reason why I said it's lazy is because it just feels like a bog standard like response without actually understanding that, hang on, you're posting a photo to rep, as rep, not just as representation, but mm. the crux of it being representation of you being confident in your body, in a body that society tells you is unacceptable. Mm-hmm. And that's got nothing to do with you know a medicalizational term it's got nothing to do with health full stop it's got apart from you know the fact that being discriminated against impacts your health so there is a yeah exactly exactly um but it's like it's got nothing to do that's not the conversation being had here so it's just so lazy to be turning it around and going you're promoting this that i deem unhealthy and i that's i mean are you really that lazy you don't want to have the real conversation at hand here or you just yeah okay fine (laughs) right it's it's, it's, i find it strange because like promoting obesity we're we're not the ones that are creating products for people to put on weight we're not the ones who are spending millions on billboards telling other people you know being um fat is the goal to being happy and being fat uh, you know put on weight so you can go to the beach and wear this fat kini like we're not the ones who are putting millions and billions of pounds we don't have a you know a fatness industry so to speak uh you know but yet you know when we look at the fitness industry all of these billboards the media and how they perpetuate for fat phobia these could be seen as uh you know promoting a specific body ideal as well but then i feel like people don't really want to have that conversation uh when you flip it on its head so yeah well there's then there's the easy the 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 thought of as easy argument of ah oh, yes but that's a healthy body ideal so therefore <laughs> it's like uh, okay no. there's a much wider conversation there about how what people do and the behaviors that people uh exhibit to mm-hmm. try and get to that body ideal which n- not healthy oh, um, exactly anyway. exactly um the one of the other things that came up when you were talking about it is i think it was interesting where you were uh how i think you you kind of implied that there is there's been this link, and I agree with you, been this link between body confidence, body acceptance, and health. And where the, almost that society treats confidence and acceptance as, as not allowed mm. if there may be some element of health involved. Now, again, the conversation around health and weight is incredibly complex. Mm-hmm. But there seems to be this rhetoric around if you happen to be unhealthy for any number of reasons and the one that i the you know joe blogs that i am picking right now is your size you're not allowed to be confident until you've sorted out your health mm-hmm. which is it feels incredibly ableist to me oh my god yeah it feels like something that would be completely unacceptable if it were a stereotypical disability mm-hmm. right like if can you imagine the can you imagine the backlash if somebody for example if we're going really stereotypical somebody yeah. in a wheelchair yeah. posted a picture of themselves in a wheelchair and got attacked for promoting disability can you can you I, imagine I, um, like the internet would actually explode it would actually oh, yeah. explode <laughs> like it that would mad. just be so that would just be so nobody like nobody would do that yeah um and yet and again they're not the same thing but people treat them like they are. The people mm. that are attacking these posts are people that consider body size to be a medical problem. Mm-hmm. They are people that consider body size to be just as, if not more impactful on health as a, a stereotypical physical ability. Mm. Why do you think that is still acceptable? Whereas the, the more stereotypical isn't. Yeah. Like, I have my own opinions, but, but why do you think it's still 
acceptable in that regard? So I've always thought as like fat phobia, fat, um, fat shaming, those kinds of things. I've always seen it as like one of the last acceptable forms of hate speech and hate crimes uh, because of how normalised it is. Uh, some of the things that fat people hear and experience on a daily basis, if they were to apply to um, other uh, body types or body abilities, it would be, you know, terrible. Like the internet, like I said, the internet would explode. But because of us, I think... Uh, I think one of the main issues is because our fatness is so physical, like you can see, you can see, you know, the, the excess weight and things like that. I think because it, it is such a physical condition to kind of live in and be in, I think people have huge, huge issues with that. And I think also people think that because it is quote unquote self-inflicted, that we should be able to uh, internalise and accept all of the abuse, all of the fat shaming, all of the unsolicited comments. Um, it's almost like we should expect it, we should anticipate it and almost like we deserve it because, you know, we've put ourselves in this position. Therefore, we have the right to tell you that the way in which you choose to live is disgusting and it's wrong and it's this and it's that. Um, mm -hmm. And so I do feel like there is that sense of, well, you know, you cause the situation, uh, you being fat is linked to you being uh, lazy, lack of discipline, uh, you know, all of these other negative uh, attributes, uh, you know, gluttony, all of these things. Um, and yeah, I think there is definitely a circumstance of, well, you put yourself in this position, so therefore we have the right to tell you that how you uh, look is disgusting and weird and um, all of these kinds of things. And, you know, they don't take into account the fact that some of it can be medical, some of it, you know, putting on weight can be due to physical medical issues, mental health issues. Um, it could be due to an array of different of different things and yeah. regardless of if somebody has put weight on due to fluctuation in hormones or whatever the case may be or if they're just you know having a few months where they're just eating a lot more um both both for iterations for for any reason yeah and i think both both types should be treated exactly the same with regards to um uh, love and care and uh, respect um, and all of these things whether you are a good fat mm. a good fat person so whether you're a fat person that you know works out and eats healthy and all of these things or whether you're you know I don't want to say a bad fat person but sometimes I see that on social media where people separate into good and bad um, or whether oh. you're a fat person that is ill or a fat person that is immobile or you know doesn't want to you know doesn't want to exercise or work out they're still um, eligible for the same love and respect and grace and empathy that everybody yeah. else is treated with as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we we don't we don't remove uh, the the first thing that popped into my head there, which may be a bad comparison, but we 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 don't we don't refuse to give cancer services treatment to someone who has lung cancer after years of smoking. Exactly. Like, and that's something that is actually causative right yeah. <laughs> like that's something with a with a definite um link and and something that you can that you can actually point out and go yes this is the reason um and with weight you almost never can you point at one particular reason um unless there's a specific genetic abnormality which is rare mm -hmm. um but it's like can you imagine if if people were just like oh no well you you can access cancer services for your lung cancer because you never smoked but you smoked so i guess sorry yeah like you're not allowed yeah it's terrible like, <laughs> that would never happen no um which which goes with that whole um which which goes with that whole backwards thinking of you it it's hypocrisy you can't treat it one way but only when it suits you mm -hmm. you can't treat it as a medical condition that that you should be allowed to always tell somebody is unhealthy but not treat it as a medical condition like you, you you like not just when it suits you you can't use it as a medical condition when you want to shut people up mm. and tell people that they're unhealthy but then not use it as a medical condition when you're completely disregarding how complicated body size is like you, you oh, which is why i'm so which is why i, I get so um, I find it so difficult to have the conversations when people ask me, do you think that obesity is a medical condition? And I'm like, I, 
I don't know. And I, the reason why I struggle with that is because it's like in certain cases, I see the merit of it officially being regarded as such. Uh-huh. And in other cases, I really don't. And and I, but I don't think it's black and white as just it's not, or it's black and white as it is. And I just yeah, I never really talk about it. And I, I think that's just me being being a wimp. But I I just don't know. Do you know what? It's so funny you bring that up because uh, there is this whole discourse about this damn vaccine. Now I had mm. the COVID jab on the fifteenth of February. Um, I was told over the phone it was to do with my asthma, but then the day after I. I read in the news that they were putting asthmatics last, apparently, which I think is really cruel. Uh, Over the past two, three weeks, I've seen loads of my friends who are plus size and also some plus size creators that I follow who have taken the jab as well. And Mm. the the vitriol, like the, 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 the policing and the comments that I've seen myself and other fat people go through for taking the vaccine ahead of them has been absolutely terrible it's almost like we're damned if we do we're damned if we're not you keep saying that we are fat we are this we are gonna die we are this so then we get the vaccine ahead of you and now all of a sudden it's a problem because we've gone ahead of you it's like is fatness a medical issue or is it not or are you just saying Mm. are you saying it's not a medical issue because you can't fathom how this fat healthy person has gone in front of you in the queue like if you're gonna say that being fat is a medical issue and that we're going to die and that it's this and that well then if that means getting the vaccine ahead of you then i guess that's the only perk that we have to be fat like when i got the when i got the um my the text i was like oh well i guess it's just finally paying out it's finally paying off now (laughs) for once (laughs) for for once once you're getting better medical care for, as a uh, as a result of your size, rather than discrimination and avoidance <laughs> of healthcare, and for all manner of very valid reasons, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Like, Absolutely. But, but but again, it's because it's treated as a personal responsibility. Yeah. Right. It's it it and it's not. I was going to say it's not. People wouldn't say that, but actually, yes, they do. Mm. And that's the problem. Is that it, it is it is treated as a medical condition, but it's treated as a medical condition that is entirely under your control, mm. <laughs> which is nonsense. But that's but but that's the argument, right? It's like, yeah. well, it's a medical condition, and you are at high risk, and you should uh, lose weight to help the NHS. Fuck off! But you know, like th- that is that's one side, and then it's like, oh no, but you're not allowed the vaccine early because you've put yourself in this condition, so suck it up and mm. you can wait. It's like it's it's so it is in it's just so hypocritical. It really um, is. it really is you just sometimes can't help but laugh honestly it's it's a bit like i've i've heard so many of my friends just saying you know i don't want to tell people that i'm getting the vaccine being fat because i know that i'm going to get questions as to why i deserve to have it before them and it's just like so do you want fat people to die or not like you keep saying that you're concerned about the health of fat people you you tell us that we're trash you tell us that our bodies are disgusting you tell us that we're going to die and you say it because you claim that you care about our bodies and you want us to look after ourselves so now that we're getting something that will help us it's some it's suddenly like well no you guys should go last because uh you know you don't deserve to have it ahead of us it's just like do you want us to live or die like are you really concerned or are you not and a lot of the time it falls into the not category people use health Mm. as a way to guise their fat phobia and hatred of fat bodies basically yeah i completely agree and but and this is why i this is why i struggle with the question as to whether or not it should be considered a disease um Mm. and the the word it carries with it so much so much horrible stigma just disease in general as Mm. a as a phrase or medical condition or whatever the better way of saying it is but this is why i struggle with it as as to knowing that answer because so one of the things that I, i i have i have not seen talked about necessarily in regards to covid and body size is that nobody seems to be able to explain why there might be a link, right? Mm. I don't know if you've ever seen anybody nope. try and explain why. Nope. There we go. It's been a year. Nobody's explained why, Nobody, right? Nobody, yeah. Like, um, and we, you know, being uh, fighting weight stigma and and campaigning for weight inclusivity when it comes to healthcare doesn't mean ignoring conversations about the potential impact that body fat might have on health. Of course, I'm, I'm very yeah. adamant about that, that it doesn't mean ignoring those conversations 
So it seems very strange to me why nobody has been having conversations about, actually, if we are seeing a, an association between body size and impact of COVID, why is that? Mm. Because nobody is talking about that. And and I'm like, well, hang on a sec. Well, if, if there are recommendations being made, surely people must have been looking, and people have looked into this. It's just very intriguing to me that nobody's ever explained any of this stuff. Yeah, <laughs> so I have no like, idea like what the link is. <laughs> yeah, so, so there's one thing I wanted to mention just because I think it's, I think it's really intriguing and I think people listening, hopefully it will, it, it, it will be beneficial, I guess. Um, to caveat this, it is not simple full stop Mm -hmm. and there is a lot of association that is nothing to do with body weight there is a huge amount of association when it comes to um socioeconomic inequality yeah um in regards to the uh again not that body size is always a larger body size is always caused by poverty however there is a definite link between the two absolutely and when we look at who when we look at the key workers and people who didn't have the privilege to work from home during the pandemic they are overwhelmingly represented by people in a larger body size. Yeah. Um, and a lot of that is due to socioeconomic inequality because if you're a banker and you earn a lot of money, you can work from home. Yeah. Like they will sort that out for you. That's not going to be a worry. If you're working minimum wage and you have to find a job that is minimum wage to be able to continue to, to survive and pay rent and buy food you're going to have to find a job that is still going during a pandemic that exactly. isn't going to allow you to work from home. Exactly. Um, not just that, people who are already in those kind of jobs because of the fact that job availability is so impacted by the area in which you live and the the the, the, the socioeconomic status that you hold and those mm-hmm. privileges and all that kind of stuff. So there's a huge element of people of larger body size weren't didn't have the privilege to stay at home during the pandemic Mm -hmm. during the first wave and and ongoing Mm -hmm. so of course they were more impacted by covid (laughs) that's not complicated i also think it's important like um staying in the same conversation regarding jobs and things like that like i Mm. think another thing that we have to keep in mind is that a lot of the jobs the frontline jobs that we see are taken up by people of color as well so there is an element of race that comes into that so within like hospitals the young underground things like that it's predominantly uh africans afro-caribbeans um asians southeast asians you know and especially when we talk about afro-caribbean community so you know when it comes to our body standards and our body types it's very different from the westernized standard of beauty um we generally tend to be a lot curvier normally um obviously not every single african or and and, and um caribbean person is uh Uh, curvy but that's kind of like our general I guess body shape we type we kind of are a bit bigger normally I think there are genetic differences in regards to fat distribution not that not that race and ethnicity are the same thing because they're not yeah but there are some genetic um, variances in regards to regions of the world yeah and some of those carry with them body fat distribution and body fat amount. That's perfectly, that, that is completely, completely true. Yeah, exactly. And so if you do have uh, people from different um, uh, ethnic backgrounds and racial backgrounds who are naturally a bit bigger and are working in these frontline areas, then you probably will see an increase in, uh, I don't know, bigger people having, like contracting and, and dying from COVID and all of these kinds of things as mm. well. So that's just something uh, just now that I just thought of as you were, as you were speaking, um, that I that I think is interesting. Yeah. It was one of the reasons why there was, uh, it was one of the conversations that was lacking at the beginning when we were talking about um, when there was lots of news articles around black, Asian, minority ethnic communities being mm. a higher risk of, of contracting and dying from COVID. Mm. There was a lot of, a, a complete lack of conversation around th- those kind of jobs and those kind of communities as to why, rather than we're trying to find reasons <laughs> and just like we're trying to find these genetic reasons as to why and therefore it must be this it's not anything to do with us and social social inequality it must <laughs> <Exactly>. be <laughs> so Honestly. so yeah so that so that's one reason that i think is just before i mention anything about why there might be some relation to body weight um 
I just think there is so, and that's only one. And there's so much other there, including the fact that fat people are less likely to go and seek healthcare early because of the stigma that they've received. Yeah. That's well documented in like any sort of medical journal in the world. Yeah. Well, well documented as a thing. And so, can certain conditions affect uh, fat people in worse ways than than people who aren't? Because and not not just because of any sort of specific relation to body size but because indirectly they are likely to present later and it's much harder mm. to treat a condition when you are seeing a doctor at a later stage mm. um so there's lots there but what i think might be interesting is the the specific receptor in the body that the that the covid virus attaches onto is something called the ace receptor and um fat tissue expresses this ace receptor um it's it's not a it's not a personal responsibility. Just to clarify, <laughs> that's just something that happens. Yeah. Um, and fat tissue in uh, not all fat tissue is the same. Fat tissue is like different depending on where it is in the body and all this kind of stuff. And so there is an element to there may be it may be easier and quicker for the viruses to get into the cells if mm -hmm. there's more expression of that receptor in the body. Okay. Nobody's ever nobody's talking about that, which I think is yeah. But 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 I think it's a real shame because actually, I, I like this whole uh, pathologizing fat bodies for simply being fat, rather than actually having good reasons why there should be better health care, mm -hmm. rather than pathologizing, but going, this is something we've noticed, we should be cautious about this and provide better care in case it's valid, because it's still early on and we don't know for certain, but yeah. we should provide better care. Uh, and it's like, what? Why? Like, I just it blows my mind that that we, and I think I think potentially some of social media adds to that a little bit by making it so hard to have those conversations. Because I know full well that if I, depending on how I did it, if I talked about that kind of stuff on my platform, it wouldn't all be received positively, mm -hmm. um, which is a shame um, because. Uh, and and I understand why, because because there is there are certain spaces that should be safer for people um, who who are so often medicalized and yelled at and told that they're unhealthy and told this and told that. And so I know and I understand that and I know it's difficult and that's I have to suck that up that it's difficult because that's that's one of my abilities with my privilege to be able to handle. Mm -hmm. um, but it just feels like a shame that, that those kind of conversations can't take place yet. It feels, yeah. I don't know. But yeah, that, it's, yeah, it's weird. I think um, we're so used to being told that fat equals bad, fat equals death, fat equals illness, that if we start having these conversations that could open up a different perspective and if people start receiving information that counters that narrative, I feel like people it kind of destroys any kind of superiority complex that smaller people have over fatter people. And I feel like that's still an issue that people are scared to approach, even, even within the healthcare sector. Like, for instance, we all know that BMI is just terrible. And there is so much evidence out there, so many studies that prove that, you know, it was created by, was it like a mathematician and it was used for eugenics uh, and ethnic cleansing. Yeah. And even like the guy... Well, the, the, may, may, I, I feel like it slightly does him disservices as a respected mathematician because he wasn't a eugenic he wasn't someone that it may have been bastardized to be used for oh yeah later, sorry it was bastardized <laughs> yeah 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 sorry let me just clarify I don't want to get in I'm trouble like, but he's he seemed like like he was he was quite good in regards to an, anthropometry in regards to like looking at measures of the human body and stuff he wasn't doing it to look for health like he was just trying to find a ratio like exactly let's, let's leave him alone a little bit <laughs> exactly yeah and I think he even said himself that he didn't create it for like to measure health in any way like it was more population yeah, it's but that, like people, that, yeah. <laughs> like the, the information is out there, but it's like people really have this kind of spiritual bondage with BMI that it kind of like proves that <laughs> this person is fat, this person isn't. Like my mum is five foot or four foot 11 and she is like seven and a half stone. She's always been very, like she's tiny, so tiny, um, very petite. But yet when she went to the doctor in last November for a checkup, they took her BMI and they told her that she was overweight. And I remember her like calling me and she started feeling so 
self-conscious because she's still at a point where she's trying to learn you know at her she's like in her mid 50s and she's and she's on her journey to learn how to love herself as well um and I remember she was she called me and she was like Steph they're saying that I'm you know I'm overweight but I'm like seven seven and a bit stone like she's so small um and I just think using it as a tool to determine people's health is so so problematic so problematic it's lazy yeah like it's just (laughs) there are there are so many but like i you can't leave medical school and not learn how to how to properly assess somebody's health full stop exactly yes there is a massive over uh, bmi and body weight is massively over egged because we still teach medicine in a weight uh, in a weight centric manner mm-hmm. but even so we, we we learn about other factors for health <laughs> and and purely basing a recommendation of uh, I don't know, you, you could go on for hours like purely yeah. basing a recommendation of of t- dieting intentional dieting which carries with it so many risks that are never acknowledged or considered yeah purely based on a number that that isn't that isn't very well correlated with health at an individual level at all is just yeah it's (laughs) It's terrible anyway there is I I think there was um I think there was one more question I had about about your uh, what you said towards the beginning Mm -hmm. um I have no idea how long we've been going now (laughs) Um, but uh was when you said that there have been many people who have left the kind of body positivity movement slash Mm -hmm. space because it isn't representative any longer Mm -hmm. is there something that can be done about that is there something alternative that exists because that feels like that feels like a real problem Mm. to me that that doesn't exist anymore yeah definitely so i i think the fat acceptance sort of fat liberation communities um is a community that a lot of people have kind of like jump ship to um and i think the the main reason for that is because of the word fat like fat is still a word that i think a lot of people are still coming to grips with there are those of us in the community that have since reclaimed the word and use it to describe ourselves because we don't see it as a negative word it's purely a descriptive word um and i i think we kind of feel like well if we call ourselves fat acceptance or like fat liberation um it's not going to be gentrified as much because because <laughs> yeah. people are not bastardized you not can gonna, say bastardized yeah. it's, <laughs> it's not going to be bastardized as much because there are still, there are going to be loads of people that still take issue with the word fat and would yeah. not want to be described it's not going to be claimed it's not going to be claimed be claimed by those groups who have claimed body positivity there like, we go. You're not gonna. You're not gonna. <laughs> you're not gonna bend over and go. I am now fat acceptance. You're not gonna. Oh, well, exactly. you never know. But you know. Exactly. There, there we go. And so, um, and so, yeah. I think those who do not see themselves as you know body posy have kind of moved towards the more uh, fat liberation, um, fat acceptance uh, communities, which is still at the moment anyway, just very predominantly larger fat and also a lot more um diverse as well with regards to race ethnicity body ability um um yeah gender sexuality all of that kind of thing uh whereas now it just when i think of body positivity now in my head i just have like a fitspo influencer um Mm. or when you what's funny is when you type in uh, well i did this last year when you type in body positivity hashtag on twitter um there was a period of time where the only things that would come up would be a lot of porn um so a lot of porn a lot of uh glamour models posing yeah it was very sexual very very hypersexual and you know, even that is interesting in itself. When If we were to talk about the the issue of normalising bigger bodies. So, you know, when the body positivity movement started, um, you know, a few years ago, a lot of fat people were, they were taking pictures of themselves in bikinis and underwear and showing off their stretch marks and their cellulite and all of that kind of stuff. Because our aim was to normalise bigger bodies in these situations. Back then, we didn't have bikinis for fat bodies. We didn't have, you know, pretty bits of lingerie that didn't look maternal, you know, for bigger bodies. And so being able to showcase and show off that, look, if you um, are going to the beach and you want to wear a bikini, like a two-piece bikini, you can and be confident. And we would link to the stores that provided it. So 
when we would pose, you know, in, in outfits that may be seen as, I don't know, you know, quite showy, it was always with a specific purpose. It wasn't really for the, for the notion of just showing off just to show off. But when body positivity became a bit more mixed and we started seeing smaller bodies uh, use the hashtags, for a lot of us, it felt like people who were, who live in privileged bodies and people that were smaller were just using the body positivity hashtag as a way to pose in their underwear and get likes and, you know, content, um, um, what do you call it, to get likes and comments and those kinds of things. There was a period of time where we saw a lot of, you know, very beautiful women uh, just posing up a storm with captions that had nothing to do with body positivity, but they would put body positivity as a hashtag um, because, you know, that was that was and is still a very, very popular hashtag in order to get engagement. And so it seems like there has been this infiltra- infiltration of smaller bodies who are looking for more engagement to be able to post themselves uh, in a in a a manner of, you know, sexualized ways, which again, nothing wrong with that, but, you know, to use a movement that is supposed to be highlighting the the struggles and the issues that fat bodies face, uh, to use it as a way to get more engagement as a smaller person um, is very insidious. And so because it's happened so much now, we do have, you know, uh, had people using the hashtag to promote their, you know, pornography and their glamour photos and, you know, all of these kinds of really hyper-sexualized bits of content that have nothing to do with self-love. Uh, well, I guess self-love in, in, in one aspect, I guess it does have that link, but like other kinds of, you know, confidence and self-esteem and systemic oppression and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, it's, it's interesting how <laughs> the route that it's gone down. So, and I think the last thing I wanted to ask was was in regards to the post that that both of us have mentioned a couple of times um, in regards to bending over to show roles and Mm -hmm. labelled as body positivity or not labelled as body positivity, maybe just labelled as body confidence Mm -hmm. or maybe just labelled as Mm -hmm. self-love. Whenever it gets mentioned um and i've i talked about it on a different podcast as well um there people don't like it and i say people thin people don't like it um for and i understand why um and i just wondered if you saw a if you could see a merit to some of that Mm -hmm. that goes on but perhaps if you could see a way where it could take place where people could normalize the insecurities that thinner people have because they do exist um without causing harm mm. that that it may well be and and certainly i would argue has caused by creating a new normal of body roles are acceptable as long as you can get rid of them when you stand up mm rather than body roles are acceptable full stop um does that yeah (laughs) I think I mean I've always been one to say that I think everyone's thoughts perspectives and opinions about their own bodies should always be valid um just because somebody is smaller it doesn't mean like you say it doesn't mean that they don't suffer from self-esteem issues and body confidence issues as well and I think definitely in the social media age that we're in where we have these ridiculous apps like FaceApp and and Facetune and we have Instagram models who are always you know slimming themselves down and tweaking their pictures and things it has created this huge new I don't want to say new but this body standard especially on social media so not only do we have slimness and thinness as an ideal but we also have the exaggerated hourglass shape or curvy big bum kind of uh, Instagram model shape as an ideal as well thanks in part to people like the Kardashians and you know Kylie Jenner and all of that kind of stuff Um, and so I can see that there are people that exist in quote unquote normal bodies or socially acceptable bodies who will not be shaped like that or may want to be shaped like that. And of course, these can um, these can develop into issues with self-esteem. And so I think it is important to allow people the space to be able to talk about their own issues, even if they do have washboard abs, you know, people are always going to have something that 
annoys them in a sense. And so I do think that there is space for influencers or people with platforms to um, to create content that targets um, that audience uh, who feel like they could do with losing that extra role or, you know, losing this bit of cellulite. I think it is. But I think for me, I just don't like the fact that they have kind of hijacked a movement meant for fat people to do so. Um, the whole notion of really exaggerating and contorting their bodies to create a role i just feel like why do you feel the need to 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 position fatness and roles in such an extremely grotesque kind of try hard way um i think there are better ways to kind of um push the message along or to get your point across about you know all bodies are normal bodies and you can have roles and you can have this and you're still, you know, you're still fine and you're still great and you're still normal. But to kind of make yourself physically bigger or pudgier in order to prove that, you know, this is me as well. I don't know. It just doesn't sit. It doesn't sit right with me. You can make the point without having to squash your body into a state that is not natural because in a way you're almost saying that, you know, I don't know. It, it gives me vibes of like, well, I feel like being fat and the whole the whole notion of fatness is is seen as really dehumanizing anyway, um, in general by the population and by the media and stuff. So contorting your body into a shape that is not natural for it is kind of dehumanizing to us in a sense as well. Um, I don't know if that makes any sense, but all I know is that I just find it really annoying. I just, I do find it, I just find it really, because it, it, it still seems like they're grabbing aspects of the fat acceptance or the, the, the original intentions behind the body positivity community. They're still kind of taking those notions of fatness and pudginess and stuff to apply to people that may not even have those roles anyway. I don't know. It feels like it's piggybacking. I don't, yeah, yeah doesn't sit I right with me. I don't think it's intentional. I don't think it's people necessarily know. I, I don't think it's people knowing that and and deliberately mm. trying to do that. But I guess now you do, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. as in like if you're listening <clears throat> now you do. Mm. Um, and so you know, like I, I've talked about this before when when um, when when I had to when I had to change my Instagram username from from unfattening to just my name um, because. Because like you, I started as a weight loss account too. Well, I don't think your Instagram started as a weight loss account, but you said about your Tumblr started mm. as a weight loss account. Yeah. Um, and, and I didn't like, I didn't want to change the name. Unfattening was, was a, I thought it was catchy. It was attracting the kind of people that I thought I was wanting to talk to at the time. I was like, you know, well, it, oh, but if it, if it attracts the people that think they want to lose weight, then that's great because now I'm going to talk to them about, I'm like, I just didn't, I, I had to get over myself mm. on using something that I wasn't deliberately meaning to be, to be problematic. Of I course. wasn't trying to make it an issue. I wasn't trying to, I wasn't trying to take the piss. I wasn't trying to like, I wasn't trying to imply that fat was bad and therefore unfattening was the goal, mm. but everything that I was doing was implying that. And it was like, it, it was, I, I just I had to accept that I was wrong like do you know what I mean like mm -hmm. a, I wasn't trying to deliberately now get into the title of this podcast but but uh, <laughs> it was and it was like you know I there is there is an element to the way that some of these posts are made are causing harm to people that see it even though you're not intending those posts to be made for them yeah. and and if there are ways of doing it that don't that don't do that harm like I know not all of them are necessarily contorting some of them are simply just sitting down and going I have roles when I sit down you don't have to feel uncomfortable when you sit down like I get that yeah, I used I to feel that. super uncomfortable when I sat down myself as a kid because I felt like I could I could hold my tummy in when I was standing up and nobody and people wouldn't think I was very fat and then I sat down and I couldn't hide it so I'd mm. like I felt really uncomfortable sitting down like that was just a thing and so I get it like a um you know 20 year old me would have would have not necessarily because they're pictures of women in bikinis so i wouldn't have understood that but <laughs> the whole premise i would have got i would have been like oh yeah that's oh maybe i don't need to feel so bad about that and stuff so i get it but it's it's there's yeah i don't know there's ways there's elements of this there's like there's gradients of understanding that i think we need to try and have as people who aren't uh, who aren't what society would consider fat, like myself, like people that make these kind of posts. 
And I think an understanding of what body positivity was created to be helps mm -hmm. with that, I think, I hope. And I think that and I think that's why I wanted to get you on to 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 talk about that kind of stuff because because I think um as as thin white people, we're not exposed to that conversation. Um and mm -hmm. th that conversation is important and really important for 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 um for us to know about and to and to be hearing. Um because we can't we can't uh, stand alongside you and be allies in this kind of movement or mm. dealing with with weight stigma or fat phobia which a lot of us consider ourselves to do um without having a knowledge of that topic uh, or at least having a baseline knowledge <laughs> yeah definitely and i <laughs> think that... just to echo what you said as well i think i agree that a lot of it is not intentional like a lot of it is very innocent and you know we know that they're just trying to you know motivate their followers and fans and things like that but i think because fat phobia is has been so ingrained within uh, within the the fabric of our society for years and years and years a lot of us harvest a lot of um uh, ingrained fat phobia, internalized fat phobia that we don't even know that we had. And mm. so one mm. thing that I am grateful for the body positivity community is that we have been able to have this new kind of way of educating people about what what fat phobia is specifically and the ways in which it can manifest itself both overtly and also um, subtly as well. And there has been a lot of unlearning that even I, I have had to do um, over the past two, three years. There's a lot of things that I thought was, you know, was normal. But when I really thought about it, um, they were kind of internalised fat phobia. So like similar to you, I did not like taking pictures. Well, for me, I didn't like taking pictures sitting down at all because I just felt like, you know, that is an angle that I just didn't want people to see. And obviously I'd spread out a bit more and I was very nervous about doing that. And that was something that I had to really unlearn a couple of years ago um, as well. Um, and that was, you know, me with the platform talking about self-love and all of these kinds of things. And it's an ongoing journey. I think with self-esteem and confidence, it's it's not linear. There are always going to be new things for us to unlearn and learn and, yeah, uh, and, and hopefully be able to teach others who may not be exposed to specific communities or schools of thought. And so, um, yeah, that's one of the things that I like is that there's always a potential to learn something, uh, to learn something new. I, I think I'm going to end that there because I think that was a wonderful <laughs> sum up by yourself. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I was listening to you say that going, that sounds like a great ending. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs>